You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome everybody to once again to the Oz Network as we come to you for our second review episode of the biggest movie of August 2018. It is Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth film in the Mission Impossible franchise after the most successful six-week month in the history of the Oz Network, at least of the middle part of 2018. We're here to wrap it up with another review. We've done one that was featuring Colin and Jamie. Now you want the real people involved, Colin and Ben. And we're sort of giving a spoilerish review of Mission Impossible Fallout, which I'm very excited to talk about. My name is Ben, and I'm working on it. And my name is Colin, and mustache. <laughs> and uh, speaking in the background, <laughs> here is Mallory. Not talking now. <laughs> Mallory in the background, if you can hear her. Um, you can be on this episode if you want to be. She's. <laughs> We never said we're not including you. You just decided to lay in bed and play with dinosaurs. Yeah! <laughs> I was listening when you were preoccupied. <laughs> she's, she's, she's concerned that she didn't know what we were recording today. What did you think we were recording? Um, <laughs> finally doing our episode on, um, I don't know, Baby Driver that Colin's finally <laughs> caught up on seeing. Uh, you're welcome to join us on this episode, little Miss Grumpy Boot. I'm just uh, going to put this out there. I am not telling Jamie what we're recording right now because I don't want her to spend another half hour talking about hashtag tickle me mustache. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I, as somebody who maybe or maybe not listened to that episode, <laughs> um, brief recap for those who want to maybe establish that is this a dirty hashtag or, uh, where is oh, this yeah. mustache tickling thing? <laughs> I don't think she ever specified, but I mean, I think right. Jamie. So it's the dirtiest one. Yeah, she's yep. she's made uh, uh, she's made no secret of her appreciation for Henry Cavill, and uh, now she's making no secret of her appreciation for Henry Cavill's mustache. <laughs> well, I have to say, the first time he walked on the screen, the first thing that Mallory said to me was, "Oh, he's attractive." <laughs> uh, and I'm like, "It's Superman. Do you not know who this is?" Oh, Tim. Oh, okay. The mustache threw me off. And I said exactly the same thing when Angela Bassett walked on screen. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh God, I was so sad she was barely in this movie. Anyway, um, I guess we're here to, I mean, we've done one episode on this. Jamie and Colin did one. This is, we're going to target this as a bit of a spoiler episode. I mean, there's not really huge levels of spoilers in this that are going to completely throw you. There's probably one main one, which... I mean, if we're going to be honest, we probably saw coming, did we not? Um, But, yeah, I think um, for the most part, uh, it's it's not huge groundbreaking ones. But I'm sure you already discussed your thoughts on it. I'll quickly discuss mine, saying that I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was very good, uh, very enjoyable. I think it's the first Mission Impossible I've seen on the big screen, and I think it definitely added to it. Um, I, I will just say that, like, I don't want to go as far as say this is the greatest action movie of all time like a lot of people are saying um and you know maybe this instantly isn't my favorite mission impossible movie it's probably my second or third favorite one but um yeah i mean i still think this is a thoroughly enjoyable film and one that i would definitely go out and see again but uh just 
you know, maybe not quite as amazing as some people are saying it is. That's, that's I guess, my overall feelings on this film. Well, I mean, most of the opinions out there are saying, like, there's a majority of opinions are comparing it to The Dark Knight or Mad Max Fury Road, just that it's this sequel that really shouldn't work and just surpasses all the others on every level. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I loved this movie. Like, I loved it enough that 24 hours later, I was legitimately saddened that I didn't have time to go see it that night. Um, and <laughs> here we are a week later, and I'm still struggling to find time to go see it again. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw this three, four times. Like, this is like Star Wars level excitement for me. But I didn't walk out of it saying it was the greatest Mission Impossible movie. I think story-wise, it's the most intriguing. I think that it's it's definitely has the biggest, most epic scale and dramatically, I think it works the best. But as far as the action goes, I prefer Ghost Protocol over this one. So that would still be my favorite. I, I'm still a rogue nation. That's not my number one. But, I mean, I would toss up between this and Ghost Protocol as number two. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like, story-wise, it's it's very intriguing. I think it it's taken us, what, to film number six to really kind of have, you know, Ethan having a partner as such. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think works really well. And I think, you know, straight out of the gate, Henry Cavill was great in this movie. Um, I think, uh, you know, moustache wise, is it the greatest in the history of film? <laughs> well, you know, it's a pretty decent moustache. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know if I'd go out of the way and say it's the greatest. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know how this won out over Justice League. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I've, I have. You know, that's a, that's a story for another day. I, I, no, I did find some interesting information on that, which um, uh, I'll see if I can dig up before the end of the episode. Right. Okay. We'll we'll find that out. But um, I think that that kind of worked like really well in terms of this sort of the partnership, and I guess this is our main spoiler we'll talk about and the fact that you know plot twist he's evil um i mean that scene when that's revealed is fantastic Mm -hmm. like that is you know just such a great scene but i think kind of at the end like it was a part of this movie i think when he's essentially saying um you know he's accusing ethan of being the bad guy I'm kind of at that point going, oh, he's so evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it's so Henry Cavill's evil. He's trying to do this deliberately. So uh, as much as I really enjoyed that reveal and everything, I think kind of, you know, it's it wasn't the biggest shock that he turned out to be evil. Well, I mean, the trailers set that up. That was the number one thing we talked about in our preview at the end of the Rogue Nation recap that – is the, the question is, is he the main villain? Is he a henchman? <laughs> Those are sort of our two options. Uh, we see him fighting with Ethan. The one thing that you know I addressed in the episode with Jamie that uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at was how they manipulated the audience in the trailers to make it look like that bathroom scene was a fight scene between Tom Cruise and Henry yeah. Cavill. Uh, because Agree. The, the big spoiler for me was the name of the character, and it's been a, what eight days since I've seen this. Now, uh, the the villain that they're um, saying this mysterious villain that ends up being Henry Cavill. What's the name? Oh yeah, John, you think I'd remember John that? Something or other. Uh, Lark. Is yeah, it? Lark. Lark. Yeah. So yeah, this is where it got spoiled for me a bit. Uh, I guess during the time of filming, <laughs> they had released like you know oh these are the actors these are the characters they're playing and it wasn't an officially reported thing but sort of an unofficial reporting was henry cavill's apparently playing a character named john lark 
And I completely forgot about that. Like, it was not even in my mind when this movie started. But in the promotion, we didn't hear anything about the villain. And we didn't even hear anything about this name, John Lark. And then as soon as the movie started and they mentioned the name John Lark, I'm like, wait a second. Don't I remember reading a story months ago that Henry Cavill was supposed to be playing John Lark? And then when they introduced me to this guy, Walker, I'm like, I know where they're going with this. So whoever it was that spoiled that months ago, shame on you. Um, you don't deserve magical mustache powers, uh, whatever it is. This, it, that, that was like, uh, I don't know. I just, I just felt like my excitement deflate a little bit there, but then the way they revealed it was so good. And, uh, and, and then it was also, I think that, that bathroom fight scene where they edited the trailer to make it look like they're fighting. They weren't where it, it gave me a bit of doubt where I'm like, okay, maybe they're trying to mess with the audience there. So when they did have the Henry Cavill reveal, I mean, it, it definitely still had an impact on me, but I, I think most people did see it coming. But again, the way the scene plays out, fantastic, especially the, the, the flip side of it, the way that it works with yeah. Lane ending up being Benji. This movie, if it lacked anything, it lacked what a lot of Rogue Nation was, which was just totally screw with the audience mind. There wasn't a lot of that in this movie, but that one scene, that was the one time where they really had it. I, I did not see the Solomon Lane Benji mask thing happening. I, it took me a while to see the, uh, the Wolf Blitzer scene happening. Yeah, like it kind really? of, it was, it was the moment when he started reading this thing out on air. I'm like, hang on a minute. This is like a videotape or something, isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. this is like something's going on here. And Benji playing the great role of Wolf Blitzer. And he, can we also say, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned it in the episodes, but in Ghost Protocol, Benji was always like, I want to wear a mask. I want to wear, wear a mask. And then yes. when they were making the mask, it failed. And he's like, oh, no mask. And then in Rogue Nation, they had that scene when they were going to the, 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 the Taurus and uh, he, he was playing it in his head. This is what I'll do. I'll wear a mask. And they're like, no, that plan's not going to work. Great. No mask. <laughs> Three movies in, he finally gets his mask and it says Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> I, I was thinking that. Like, I was thinking that. He, and he got to wear it twice in this movie too, yeah. didn't he? So, you know, he, he got to really wear the masks out. I think too, like, you mentioned, like, messing with the audience and kind of, you know, making us believe certain things. Like, obviously that bathroom scene. Yeah. Like, that was a real fake out. But, um, There'd been so much press around that scene and that one shot where he broke his leg. Yeah. Um, the fact that they edited that scene differently, I thought that was really clever. Um, because, you know, the whole time you're waiting for that one scene that, yeah, oh, this is the scene where he breaks his leg, but they kind of, it was the overhead shot, wasn't it, that they kind of did of sort of, and I wonder if that was just basically, everyone had seen that. Everyone knew the point he broke his leg. Cause you see him when he gets off the roof, he's still like limping slightly. So they obviously still use that footage. Mm -hmm. After he had done it, but then they what had like a six week break while his leg healed. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of a clever way of of doing it. The, the, I mean, the editing of this film, and as you said, sort of like messing with the audiences on the trailer. And I wish more movies did this because how many films give away half the plot in a trailer? Mm -hmm. I mean, we just talked about with Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom that we saw pretty much all the main bits in the trailer. They did very well this time around to show a lot, but then hey, guess what? Falling with you, this is what really happens in the movie. And that fight scene too was unbelievable like the third guy in mm. there and then when ilsa comes in I, I i would put that up there probably as my favorite mission impossible fight we've seen yet uh even over the one with doug ray scott and i was a huge fan of not much in mission impossible 2 but i was a huge fan of the doug ray scott fight scene uh just the choreography and it was great and the fact that tom cruise doesn't really have the upper hand in that fight like he's getting beaten down pretty badly for a lot of it 
Uh, and going back to the, the ghost protocol thing where just the technology doesn't work, they go in there with this master plan of we're going to double this guy and then, you know, oh, great, our laptop's completely, completely broken. And it's exactly about like it's a bit of a recall to ghost protocol where it's like, okay, well, let's just go in there and hope they haven't met. Like this is just the fallback plan for every IMF mission is, okay, you're going to need masks. Okay, the masks don't work. Uh, let's just hope they never met. Like, what if he had walked in there and been like, you're not Yang? <laughs> like, how badly would that have gone? I think, too, also, the one thing I was very impressed that finally, after all these years, his Ico Ico climbing came into yes. um, a full effect right at the end. Um, it was like, all I wanted them to dub over that right at the end when he's climbing that rock is, my bad boy and your bad boy sitting by the fire. <laughs> and can we just notice this movie broke the uh the streak of tom cruise long hair um you know every second film mm. uh, so we kind of had long hair tom film number two and film number four he's back to short hair tom come on ethan where's the long hair um but yeah i mean i think it, you don't leave this movie going oh that was the last jedi yeah that was shit <laughs> <laughs> like you leave this film like wow that was great and i mean go back to my point about this is the first one i've seen on the big screen it's you know adds to the experience i mean that bathroom fight just kind of the the close quarters on that big screen just really adds to that fight and i'm sure it's not going to be the same when you watch it on the small screen but even then like the helicopter chase at the end is fantastic just the tension of the the, the final moments like when you're thinking the bomb's gone off the the car chase stuff through paris just oh. how incredible that is that rooftop chase sequence that we're just sort of mentioning there in london and sort of the jump and everything uh i mean it just it really does add it on the big screen. And that's, I mean, that's always the same with every film, you know. But, I mean, it's like, we, we know that. We're film lovers. We know that seeing certain types of movies is always going to be a 100 times better on the big screen than it is on your screen. But this is definitely one that everyone should go see on the big screen. Yeah, and Jamie and I talked last week because we saw this uh, um, uh, in, in IMAX. And even going back to Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, I mentioned that, you know, the, the difference with Mission Impossible filming this with IMAX or filming parts of the movie, like the major sequences like that with IMAX cameras is it becomes like a big show. And that they they got the buzz for Ghost Protocol up by releasing this just in IMAX, even though it was a limited release thing to be able to watch a movie like this and using like the halo jump as an example. And as he's walking to the edge of that airplane, you actually see the screen mm. increase in size it's it's just incredible. I mean, I had that experience with Ghost Protocol, you know, Rogue Nation, and the same thing here. It adds so much, especially that Halo jump, where it's not about the size of the screen. It's about filming it with cameras with, you know, so much clarity that you can tell there's a difference. You can tell this is real footage of people really skydiving, and it makes such a mm. huge impact. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I not obviously in the fortunate sense to see it on IMAX, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's still a, a great scene, kind of that. The, kind of said the cinemas we went to yesterday to see this absolutely packed. Like, it was it was just full. Well, was it opening um, night for you? So, uh, third day, uh, open oh, Thursday okay. for us, so this was Saturday, but, um, yeah, absolutely packed. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I would love to have seen it in IMAX. Uh, I, again, I don't even know if there is an IMAX in Brisbane. If there is, I don't know if they show these sort of films or it's kind of just, uh, you know, Shark Week films. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Um, but one thing 
given that we can talk about spoilers, and this is kind of just a little minor one because I think kind of there's more major ones there. When it comes to um to Julia mm. and uh, the return of Michelle, first of all, I want to call out a I can't remember his name. But there was a reviewer for the ABC here in Australia who posted a, a review on the ABC website praising this film, who clearly does not give a shit about spoiling the fact that she is now his ex-wife, uh, oh. to which they point out in the review, uh, Ethan's ex-wife, Julia. And so, wait, hang on a minute. So they're divorced now? <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for that minor spoiler, ABC. I didn't want to see this movie now, thanks to you. Um, but, I mean... Yeah. Did you feel it was a bit wasted that she came back? To me, the only reason she came back in this film was to kind of open the door for the future. The fact that, hey, they're not married anymore. He can now bone um, Lisa. Uh, Ilsa. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa. Uh, call her Lisa. Um, I've watched a lot of uh, Steve Jobs movies this week. So, you know, we know that's the first computer from Mac. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt like it was purely brought back in just to mm. break them up so that we can open this door. Like Tom Cruise is like, hey, I'm sp- I've been single for too long. I'm getting sick of doing these Mission Impossible movies. You know, I'm looking at Daniel Craig, like, boning these beautiful women in James Bond. I haven't had sex in a Mission Impossible <laughs> film in three films. Break me up with my wife. I'm horny. That's basically what I think happened in this film. Well, I don't disagree that that's kind of the purpose of her being in this movie, but I think there's a subtlety with how his character's been handled, and that's one of the other things that almost all the reviews are talking about is that, like, Ethan Hunt as a character really gets to be developed and shine in this movie. And even going through like Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, we pointed out that those movies aren't about him. I mean, Ghost Protocol is more about Brant and Carter, and then Rogue Nation's all about Ilsa. Ethan's just sort of the supporting player who does all the stunts. And this was the first time since 3 where really the movie was about Ethan. Uh, You know, they had that thing uh, about him not sacrificing lives and everything, but it's the more subtle story about his personal life that I think plays so effectively. And maybe it's because I've seen these movies so many times when you go from three to four and then in four, it's all about how he, uh, uh, you know, obviously you think his wife left him. Then you think he lost his wife and then you realize, no, he gave up his wife and it was all planned. And then rogue nation, just those weird teases with this relationship with Ilsa that never really went anywhere. I actually really like that they bring Julia back now because it's such a patient way to give a character a story arc. Instead of Ethan's story arc being one movie, Ethan's story arc is major in three, minor in four, minor in five, major in six. So we get a four movie thing telling this. It's nice to have them care enough about the history of this series to bring something back that even though it's it's been since three since Julia's been in it, her character still had a presence in those other two. So I, I think it actually played quite effectively for me doing this slowly over the course of the four movies. But if you do watch them, like, just back-to-back, yeah, it does kind of feel like, well, they got to write this out now because Ethan needs to get laid, like you said. <laughs> and, look, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think you summed that up pretty well. And, I mean, look, I'm glad she came back. It was kind of a nice little bit. We have Wes Bentley now married <laughs> to her. So Not Ryan Phillippe. Hi, Wes Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Ryan Philippi. I was disappointed. Like, how would that be if Ryan Philippi walks out and goes, It's Ryan Philippi! Uh, I was missing the scene where, you know, in the middle of uh, this, uh, the helicopter's taking off and everything, you just have a plastic bag just swirling in the air that he's transfixed on. <laughs> yeah, I just... That's just like his, his ultimate kryptonite. So in the middle of, like, meeting Ethan, you see this plastic bag and he's like, It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. 
Oh, hey, <laughs> are you are you Julia's ex-husband? A plastic bag. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know what it's like having Kevin Spacey as your father? <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, no, the other way around. It's the neighbor, isn't it? God, it's been a while since I've seen American Beauty. <laughs> Do you know what it's like being in a gay relationship with Kevin Spacey allegedly by your father? <laughs> that movie's got to be so creepy watching it now. Like, I love oh, that movie's going to be burned now. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole movie is about him creeping on an underage girl, <laughs> so, <laughs> and then allegedly doing so with a boy next door. <laughs> oh God, American Beauty! No one ever wants to watch it ever again. <laughs> um, but I mean, the one thing too is speaking of Ilsa, like I kind of liked what they did with her, sort of in this movie. Obviously, trying to kill uh, Lane, but. Did you feel... I, I kind of thought she was underused in this film compared to the last movie. Like, I mean, that's maybe going back to what you just said about how this is more Ethan-centric, mm-hmm. whereas, uh, you know, Rogue Nation was sort of a bit spread out a little bit more. But I feel like she was kind of just all of a sudden like, hey, she's there to blow someone's face off in the bathroom, or hey, she's just here to make a last-minute move. And, I mean, I'm not saying I disliked what disliked her in this film or anything. She's still, she's still Ilsa. She's still great. But I, I guess kind of when you're switching focus a lot more to Henry Cavill's character and she's kind of just almost a minor player. And I don't know. I just felt like she was underutilized in this film. And again, I agree with you, but I'll, I'll go back to the same thing I said with the, uh, you know, Julia storyline that when you watch these movies as a whole, I feel like this is something that when we have Mission Impossible 7, 8, and 9, which I'm sure they're going to get to, Tom Cruise at 75 can still do this stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's going to play very well because if you look at you know other major franchises uh let's take the james bonds for example you know m has a huge role in the world is not enough not as big of a role in Diamond of the day not as big of a role in casino royale quantum assault a huge role in skyfall uh, i think that this can be a franchise where when you have all these characters it, it used to be it was just ethan and luther and even the boss changed in every movie and now they've settled into this uh, this crew that floats around, even though they don't always have to be members of the team. Like I like that uh, Brandt is out for this movie, but I'm sure that you know once his Avengers contract, where they keep him on set but never use him, uh, runs out, <laughs> Jeremy Renner will be back. I did, the, did, did the similar thing for this? He was always there and everything. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, Jeremy, <laughs> we're going to use you for this seat. Oh wait, no, Jeremy, just go back to your trailer. We might use you for the next one. Yeah, uh, but once you know we get him back, I think it's going to be like. Oh, you know, it's kind of nice that you could have these major characters that just sort of pop in and out. and They don't always have to be there. Even Benji. I mean, Benji, I sort of felt, well, he's underutilized in this movie. But then I thought about, well, how good they were able to handle the Henry Cavill character. And then I look back at the last movie and thinking, well, it was great to have Bing Rames back, but he was underutilized. But yet Benji was like front and center the whole time. When you have this many characters, I think when we get to 7, 8, 9, it's going to be nice that we could look back and say, you know, Ilsa was so great in this one. She had a little bit to do in the next, but then she was major in the next one. And you can just juggle the actors back and forth. At the same time, just connecting it to the Julia thing, I feel like even though it was only a few subtle moments, like, you know, Ethan and Benji sort of giving each other that look when Ilsa comes out in the bikini in uh, Rogue Nation, or... You know, when she says, you know, oh, come with me, and everybody else is like, oh boy, like, it's so subtle in those movies that you could watch it and not perceive it as flirtation or love story or anything else. And it was even more subtle in this one. It wasn't 
until you had that moment. Like she has the one moment where she asks, oh, he's married. And it's not like a jealous thing. She's like, oh, interesting. He's married. How does that work? Because Ilse is the parallel to Ethan. And she's like, I can't have my own life. How does he have his own life? I'm like, well, he doesn't have his own life. Only that one moment at the end where Ilsa whispers something to Julie, and you don't know what she's whispering. She's probably like, he's all mine now, or something like that. But Join me for an orgy in five minutes. <laughs> Hashtag tickle me mustache. Uh, but that's really the only moment they have in this movie, and yet if you're reading into it and if you've seen the other movies, you kind of know that's where they're going with it, that it is going to be meant to be – you know, Julia's gone now. Ethan's moved on. He knows that she's okay. Now they're going to open up with Ilsa. And I wouldn't be surprised if they even took one or two more movies to finally get to Ethan boning Ilsa. I was so excited. Like that scene when um, Luther's basically like, there's only been two women in his life that he cares more about or whatever. You know, he mentions his wife. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, 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 second one's not. <laughs> I was thinking, you I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> What are you going to do? Spank me? <laughs> <laughs> then feel better! Uh, <laughs> oh, poor old Nye is like sitting around watching it. Like, oh, I was loved once by Ethan. Uh, <laughs> she rings up on the phone. Ethan, I want you back. Get over me! <laughs> feel better! <laughs> Hey, wait, was she was she married to Ryan Phillippe in uh, Crash? They were both in that movie. <laughs> Everyone's married to Ryan Phillippe. Uh, I mean, come on, we've all had a ride, Ryan Phillippe. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think also one thing that I noticed in this film, like, it always seemed like they just, you, you felt like someone was going to die. Because oh, yeah. there was always some, like, massive cock tease, like, oh, no, Luther's about to die. Uh, then, you know, oh, no, oh, Benji's about to die. But that sadly, they got, um, like, they really got me at that moment with Luther, like, in the opening scene. Mm, I'm like, oh, they mm -hmm, just done it. I, yeah. yeah, because Mission Impossible has never yeah. really gone there. And I thought to myself, yeah. I'm like, this, this could be, like, the stage they're setting, you know, for this movie. This is the one where everybody's going to die. Yeah, it's it's and um, sadly, spoiler alert. We've already had like one spoiler, but it's Alec Baldwin who dies. Oh. Um, which I mean, opens the door. I mean, does this mean now we're going to have Angela Bassett as a new yeah. secretary? Because I mean, so under like, come on, she's in the, for like three scenes, <laughs> like, and she she owns every scene she's in. God, I love that woman. But um, I want I want more Angela Bassett. Come on. Well, if we we talked about how the first three movies were its own trilogy and then i was sort of when we started this whole rewatch i was saying i feel like one two and three is its own trilogy and four five and six will be its own trilogy and then as we got to you know looking at fallout we're like i think it's more like one two and three four is the one that bridges the gap and then five six seven will be a trilogy on its own you always had the different boffs we pointed that out in ghost protocol you know you had henry Cherney in the first one you had anthony hopkins in the second lawrence fishburne slash billy crudup in the third uh tom wilkinson briefly in the fourth uh now we had like alec baldwin minor role in rogue nation into a major role in fallout I feel like that's what they're going to continue to do, that we, we're setting up the next one with each one. So we know Angela Bassett's minor in this one. She's going to have the Alec Baldwin role in the next She'll one. She's dead in the next She'll one. She'll be dead, yeah. <laughs> but, like, what a way to go out because Alec Baldwin, like, I, I, I thought he was great in the last movie, but I loved him in this one. 
Agree. Yeah, agree. And it's kind of going what we said last movie about how, you know, it'd been a while since I'd seen him in a dramatic role and, you know, you kind of got it. But now after kind of seeing him in this one, it's like, I don't want to watch him in comedy roles anymore. Yeah. Like, I like Alec Baldwin. It's been a while. In serious roles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, we love Alec Baldwin. Oh, but does I love Jamie that, ever love just... Alec Baldwin? Go back and listen to that episode. Oh, wow. Jesus. Is James... that the rule of like 70 or whatever it is? Like when somebody turns a certain age, well, like they're hotter? Well, <laughs> again, you, got, you haven't listened to the episode, but I encourage people to go back and listen to our spoiler free one that Jamie and I did because Jamie's talking about, you know, ranking the men in Mission Impossible fallout and she's like well henry cavill's number one then tom cruise she's like i'm like oh i'm like oh and then alec baldwin right she goes no maybe benji i'm like benji and then i'm like wait a second if you love chest hair let me show you alec baldwin and then i showed her alec baldwin like you know 1989 1990 with his glorious chest hair we found a website which ranks men's chest hair by the way which is hilarious and suddenly alec baldwin jamie is in love with this man he's coming to winnipeg in november and we drove past the the concert oh. the concert hall that he's performing at and there was a big billboard look alec baldwin and all she does is goes mm. <laughs> Well, I'm disappointed I'm leaving Brisbane because we've got um, Steve Martin and Charlie Sheen coming here doing tours soon. So like, that's random. Not not quite on Alec Baldwin level, but um, Steve Martin. Actually, no, it's not Steve Martin. It's Bill Murray. Sorry. Um, actually, well, maybe both of them are. You know anyway, what? I got that. Great, Pete. We had John Cleese here for two days in March. Oh, oh I'm jealous. I nearly got to interview John Cleese when he came to Hobart, but it kind of fell through. So I was very sad. But, um, oh, look, did did you rank the women of Mission Impossible, Colin? Did you well, kind of keep this equal? Yeah, no, because Jamie <laughs> asked me that. And, like, in, in all honesty, I, I actually, like, Ilsa in the last one I thought was very attractive. And, and this isn't any knock against her, but she just didn't do anything for me in this one. So I think I ended mm. up settling on, like, Ilsa, Julia, you know, Angela Bassett, um... Then the last, the, 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 the other spoiler we have to talk about, the granddaughter, <laughs> last place. <laughs> we gotta get to that, cause did you pick up on the villain, or I guess the, the secondary villain in this movie, who that's supposed to be? The, the white widow, no. You didn't get that? No. Okay, so Uh-oh. when they first introduce her, you know, Ethan's going to this mm. big room, it's this weird, like, rich person ceremony, and she's talking about, you know, them honoring her grandmother, and she keeps talking about a paradox, and she's like, you know, uh, she loved paradoxes, and in the first Mission Impossible, when Ethan meets Max the first time... Oh, it's Vanessa Redgrave, yeah. not a granddaughter. because when he meets Max, oh. she's like, you're somewhat of a paradox, and he goes, well, that depends, <laughs> she's like, on what? On whether or not you like a paradox, and that was her first... So the White Widow is Max's granddaughter, which how great is that? Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's like a really cool throwback. Look at me paying attention to this film. So that's why, like, she makes out with Ethan. He's like, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's fulfilling her grandmother's dream. Did they mention, is is Vanessa Redgrave dead or is she still alive? I think they were saying, like, she had just recently died or something. Oh, that's sad. Which it is funny oh, to think. Well, that, that makes like, it more attractive. <laughs> she she learned this business from her grandmother, and yet she's just <laughs> a, an informant for the CIA or whatever. So that last scene now in Mission Impossible, where she's saying to Kidridge, she's like, "I'm sure we could reach some other arrangement." He went for it. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> wow, that's that's a really clever throwback. There you go. I did not even pick that up. Um. I was going to rank, like, the, the French cop who gets shot. She was pretty hot. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, she was pretty cute. Uh, Angela Bassett's number two. Come on. Uh, <laughs> like, put, it, put it that low. Um, 
Yeah, then probably. Well, I mean, White Widow is more attractive now that I know who her grandmother is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like Julia. She, she's she's quite attractive. Let's just yeah, let's just say Ilsa though. Really do it for across the inter- you're gonna put Ilsa last. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ilsa doesn't really do it for me. She's you know like I'd take her out for lunch, but I wouldn't take her out for dessert if you know what I mean. Now, now of course, if we're going across the whole, <laughs> Jamie would get that reference, Colin. God. <laughs> But if we're going across the whole series, so innocent. we're, we're going to say right now, Tandy Newton's number one, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on. Followed by Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, goodness. Um, I don't know really what else there is. I mean, to talk about, is there anything that you sort of had in the, the previous one that you wanted dying to know my opinion? Or is there anything here in the spoiler world that we can talk a little bit more about that I'm, I'm not thinking of right now? Well, I think the idea of Solomon Lane, uh, you know, going from being this guy who just wanted to control the world to, if you remember, we criticized the Ghost Protocol villain Hendrix a lot. Uh, because he was this guy who just wanted to destroy the world. He was basically like Hugo Drax or Stromberg from like the uh, Moonraker, the spy who loved me, you know, let's destroy the world so we could rebuild it. And they kind of make lane into that in this movie, which was interesting, but seemed to come out of nowhere for me. Like I, I love Sean Harris as Solomon Lane. He's fantastic. This movie, it's a different way to approach his character and the way that they build up him as a villain is great too, because that scene when they're just in the truck waiting and, uh, you know, Henry Cavill's asking Cruz, he's like, uh, you know, is it true that Solomon Lane did this? And he's like, yes, yes, yes. And then he's like, all the stories you heard that seem too horrible to be real, they're all true. They made Solomon Lane such a more uh, memorable villain by using him less in this. But the idea that this guy's suddenly willing to sacrifice his life and blow up the world, you know, for this cause of one, like... I don't know. It felt like they were trying to connect the Ghost Protocol villain into Solomon Lane, but they're two completely different people. I I really liked the performance though that Sean Harris gave because, like, there's so much of this movie is kind of him being thrown around and like captured yeah. and like you know let's get him here there. Just I mean we went over this last movie about just that subtle kind of performance he does, but just. The way he's kind of just in that car getting shot at, he's in like in a truck when the water and that scene, like that shot looks amazing. The way that water kind of is, you know, and it's in the oh, trailer yeah. that scene. But um, just just the calmness this guy has, <laughs> basically just being pawned off from one person to the other. Like that's just, I just really like that. But there's there was a lot of moments of this film, and again we we can say this about when we watch James Bond films, and we we said a lot about throughout this series about oh this reminded me of this James Bond film, but like. A lot of that reminded me of uh, Mr. White and Spectre, just yeah. kind of like, you know, that speech he gave. And then there was a lot of skyfallness to it, like the scene uh, when they're in that um, that party room sort of reminded me of the casino stuff in um, Skyfall. And then, you know, the Henry Cavill stuff kind of reminded me a bit of Trevelyan in Goldeneye. Like, you know, there's just bits and bobs here that are kind of, you know, similar genre. There was going to be similar things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that... Um, you know, I just I really liked Sean Harris's performance, and he's still alive. Spoiler alert! Like yeah. you can still use him. So, um, 
Yeah, I, one thing too, just the the final the the fight between Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise, just on that cliff. Like, I love that <laughs> his death scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> like death. Like, did that get him in the moustache? Like, <laughs> boom, like smack on the face. Like, if he had shaved it, maybe it wouldn't have caught onto his face. Uh-huh. Just saying, uh, <laughs> Superman didn't have that problem in Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, this is uh, where I was going with that earlier. That uh, the main reason, because remember we talked about the the Justice League thing where uh, Warner Brothers yeah. had done the tests and they proved that it was infinitely cheaper and more effective to remove the facial hair in Rogue Nation. So they would have been willing to pay to digitally remove the facial hair in Rogue Nation, and it would have looked better. Uh, if they had been willing to let them do that. And instead they said, no, you're going to have to do it yourself. The reason for that, why they were unwilling to budge uh, was because of Tom Cruise's accident, because that cost them almost two months of filming. And granted they had something Uh like they could do editing and everything, but they lost, there was so much publicity in like the week leading up to this movie about how much money this would have to make because of how much they lost during that two month layoff. And that was basically the reason why they're like, listen, if, if you, you may say this works, but if this sets us behind in any way, if it makes us look stupid, if the effects don't work and we have to redo it, then we're doomed. This movie can make $500 million and still lose for us. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. So it's all Tom Cruise's fault, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now he has to grow a mustache well, for the next one. <laughs> can Tom Cruise even grow facial hair? Didn't we go over this? Like, it's just all <laughs> fake facial hair um in the helicopter chase was i the only one thinking like can't henry cavill just jump out of this helicopter and turn superman right now and just like (laughs) tom cruise smash the helicopter against the cliff okay see ya bye um that chase too was uh, like i just want to say how incredible that chase was it's not just the stunts where i mean the main stunt where he's climbing up it again unbelievable the helicopter chase itself, seeing that they're doing, doing so many of this flying for real, unbelievable. But it, it was the way that that was paced and it played out when they were cutting back and forth. There was just something about mm-hmm. that where it's like, I don't know. The, I mentioned this in the review with Jamie that even though I didn't walk out of the saying this is my favorite Mission Impossible movie, there's this movie has something going for it that that's just it's unique and it feels like something special. I think that's the biggest thing. Is that wow? Big thunderstorm. We're gonna get blown away here. <laughs> the, the <laughs> Alec gods... Baldwin's coming to Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the gods are smiting me for uh, mocking a mustache. <laughs> uh, like there's just there's something magical about this movie for me, and and it's not mm. even that I'm saying like it, it, I think this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's just I want to see it again. It's, especially it's the Skyfall effect. Yeah, like, to exactly. me that's exactly how I came out of Skyfall. Exactly. Like that movie yeah. was like. Yeah, what was with that movie? Yeah. I want to see it again. Like, yeah. And I mean, I've, I've never said Skyfall is the greatest James Bond movie, but it definitely leaves you watching it going, Jesus, that was mm-hmm. different. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind, kind of like what my Tinder dates used to say about me. <laughs> that was different. I like that. I'll do that again. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, shout out to both of them. Um, now you, you obviously <laughs> already rated this movie. Uh, any change? Have I oh, made no you want to be in this movie now? Colin? No, no change. I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying it too. Um, I mean, as I said, I'd put this either second or third overall, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a buy. I think it's uh, a thoroughly enjoyable film, and I think definitely we should see it. Uh, Mallory in the background, are we buying it, renting it, or beating it? She's buying it. <laughs> <laughs> 
fallen asleep with the dinosaur toys. Uh, so it's buys across the board. There we go. Um, so are you, you're planning on seeing it again then, oh, yeah. I, I take it? I, I think I mentioned the uh, other episodes too that, you know, I, I know several people who like to see Mission Impossible movies, but they like, for whatever reason, people, you know, they, they don't want to see them right away. And I think that we can kind of see that even the box office of the movies that uh, every single one just holds up so well week to week. So you know, Jamie went to see with me, with me the first week. My brother's going to want to see this with me. I've got a friend who sees all these movies with me. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it three. If if I can't wait for when they're available, I probably will go see it again this weekend. So it's going to be multiple viewings for me. I wish I had a friend and knew multiple people. That would be nice. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure if you really touched on the box office, but uh, I mean, no. it's been a week essentially. It's made just under $100 million domestically, which, I mean, the thing with Mission Impossible films, though, like I think you kind of just touched on there. I mean, they're, they're always sort of a bit of a slow burn, aren't they? I mean, this is never going to be... A, well a Marvel film or, you know, a Jurassic World film where it's going to do $150 million on its opening weekend. But, I mean, $99 million in its first week, I think that's putting it on track to be the most successful yeah. Mission Impossible film at this stage. Yeah, and also we should mention, I mean, this opened probably about 4 or $5 million higher than Rogue Nation, uh, but it's like two and a half hours long without trailers. <laughs> like, this mm. is a long movie. Yeah. And in no way does it feel... Well, it feels long, but it doesn't feel like in a bad way you enjoy it like i want this to keep going uh but two and a half hours like that affects the amount of show times in a day so a 61 million opening weekend or whatever it was or 100 million dollars in seven days you know that's even more impressive when you consider the running time of this movie and also if you compare this i mean the big comparison would be the james bond movies or fast and furious movies which would open like 100 million dollars the difference being that those movies will take like steep drops in week two and three so It'll be really interesting to see what this does this weekend because if Mission Impossible's three, four, and five could hold up that well in week two and three, this movie getting the reviews it's getting, I mean, I, I, I think this one's going to blow away all the others. It's going to become the highest grossing of the series. And I mean, is this really the last big film of the summer? I mean, There's do we the have Meg another with Jason Statham, which I'm very excited. Which about. Which I was going to mention that, but I didn't want to like <laughs> uh, judge. Uh, can I just say that looks amazing the way they're advertising yeah. that? Like with Beyond the Sea, going out of their way to be like, we're taking the piss out of ourselves here. Like. I so badly <laughs> wanted to find a way to fit in a Shark Month where we could have done Deep Blue Sea oh. one and two. Maybe done Jaws: The Revenge <laughs> just for the fun of it, and skip the original Jaws, and then do the Meg. <laughs> I, I said, we were watching the trailer for that yesterday. I've turned to Mallory straight away. I'm like, we are seeing this. And she's yeah. like, no, we're not. <laughs> this is, I think the exact same thing I got with Jamie. I'm like, this looks so good. And she's like, what is this? I just love the way like you got these serious trailers. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you've got somewhere <laughs> da, da, beyond da, da, the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, the post is like, nice to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be Jason oh. Statham snakes on a plane. I'm calling it. But, like, um, it's got Ruby Rose in it. I despise Ruby Rose, oh, yeah. but I swear, I hope she gets eaten. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely planning on going to see that. So, at least if we don't do shark movies in the lead-up to it, we will no doubt do a review of that. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it, really, for the summer, isn't it? Like, that's, yeah. that's the main one done, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's funny that this summer that started where... People were saying, like, we've got so many movies that everybody's excited about, you know, Solo and Infinity War. You know, Infinity War, people were surprised with or, or I guess, um, pleased with. 
and you know Jurassic World and uh, this and this and that and Hotel Transylvania three, you know all these big <laughs> movies that ju- people just sort of were left feeling like it was okay, and it really took until the end of the summer for a movie to hit where people were like you know this is a really memorable movie. Well, I'm looking. How did Transylvania three made 130 million dollars? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> That's more than the Emoji movie That's- made. Well, look, I just went to the shop before and I made more money. I found five cents on the floor. So, um, that's, oh, poor Skyscraper hasn't made much. Oh, we, we missed out There's on another one. <laughs> die, die hard with one leg, basically. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it's, it's been an interesting summer, but we still got some good ones coming this year. I mean, they had a trailer yesterday for, um, First Man, which oh, looks yeah. amazing. Even though Ryan Gosling and Neil Armstrong look about the same much as Will Smith does to, I don't know, Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, like, that movie just looks brilliant. So that and Bohemian Rhapsody are probably the two I'm most looking forward to. I mean, even more than Aquaman. And I think, um, I think with, um, you know, we were throwing out ideas. One of the things we should tell people we were thinking of was doing a biopic month. Mm-hmm, when we have mm-hmm. both First Man and Bohemian Rhapsody coming Bohemian out, Rhapsody. I think that would be a good idea to do too. And I've actually this week, um, yeah, but judging on my Lisa comment before, I've actually um, watched three films last week. Uh, I watched The Late Shift. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. The David Letterman first Jay Leno movie. Yeah. That was brilliant. I love that. That was so good. Completely agree. Um, yeah, and then I also watched uh, the Steve Jobs trilogy, I'm calling it, Pirates of Silicon Valley, which has our very own Joey Slotnick playing um, mm-hmm. Steve Wozniak. That was pretty decent. Uh, then I watched the Ashton and Kutcher Jobs, Sorry. which actually was all right. Like, Ashton Kutcher is a pretty good, serious actor, uh, I have to say. Uh, and I'm just about to watch the Michael Fassbender Steve Jobs film. So, um, yeah, the Jobs trilogy. No one ever advertised. <laughs> that. But Noah Wiley is Steve Jobs. Did a pretty good job. But, ha, <laughs> did a good job. But, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Bio Month. I think that, that would be a fun way of doing it. Um, and yeah, we've got obviously our anniversary month we've teased on a little bit more. We might be doing, uh, can I say a bit about the bad movie month? Yeah. Or we haven't locked that in. Yet? Well, I mean, we've, we've locked in the movies we want to do. We just don't know who's going to be on one episode. So we might as well. I mean, that's what August is going to be. It's notoriously bad movies. So, I mean, what were some of the ones we were talking about? I think it was Swept Away was one. <laughs> um, yes! Finally, an excuse to do Swept Away. Uh, <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> I honestly can't remember the other one because I, th- I thought Godzilla was there, but Godzilla's in our anniversary. No, that's month, anniversary. So. Yeah, so we're gonna do Battlefield Earth. Ah, um, uh, yes. Gods of Egypt, <laughs> Gerard Butler, <laughs> and uh, since Rossi's gonna be joining us on some of these, he suggested. I figured he would suggest this one, The Room, which uh, you know the, the movie that came out with James Franco last year, <laughs> the Disaster Artist, was based on. So. That's going to be a Which I think would be like interesting. Like, obviously, we will just do the room, but I think we should watch Disaster Artist in parallel with yeah. it just so we can sort Because of, uh, I've not seen either. So, yeah, that would be fun. And, uh, like, I don't know how much I'll be on those ones. Um, I'll do my darndest to at least be on Swept Away well, just because I'm sort of... And Battlefield Earth. you got to do at least that Battlefield Earth. Oh, God, I remember watching that as a kid and just wanting to <laughs> tear my eyes out. <laughs> like, that was a terrible movie. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I'm not busy that day. Uh, <laughs> just try, I'll try my best. But yeah, still plenty to come. I'm sure we're going to see other movies randomly throughout the year. Um, you know, I mean, Mamma Mia 2's out 
Colin. Um, we should oh not see that. Um, but, I mean, obviously Aquaman's probably a big one that yeah. we'll look at this year as well. But can I just say that I actually like the trailer better for Shazam than I did for Aquaman. Well, and you know what? That's um, no knock like because the, the Aquaman trailer was really fantastic. But yeah, Shazam... Yeah. More than anything, Shazam is amazing. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the Shazam comic as well. I that's the movie I've been most excited about, probably almost on level with my excitement that what I had for Justice League. Now, can you just clarify, Shazam, the same one that Shaquille O'Neal played no. in like, 1994 <laughs> or whatever? That was? No, different. <laughs> and isn't Shazam actually technical Captain Marvel? I'm so confused yeah. right now. I was reading about this the other day. Yeah, Shazam and the name Captain Marvel, you know, both Marvel and DC had at one point, but Shazam as a character's other name was Captain Marvel, but it is more well known as Shazam. Okay, well, uh, yep, we're the DC um, Defender podcast, so, you know, we're going to be looking forward to that. Uh, But yes, Mission Impossible six weeks is now finally over. It's been a fun ride, and we look forward to Mission Impossible 7, Angela Bassett, coming (laughs) soon in... 2021 perhaps or something along those lines uh as always all our other shows are still up during the week lost third watch and nip tuck uh, amazing race canada as well big shout out to our fans we actually have fans on that podcast so um ask questions away um and yeah just keep listening to us because we need the love my name is ben and same old ben and my name is colin and for one last time and listen better! Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>